Hello, thanks for listening to this Aspen podcast. When times are short, managing drug shortages in perennial nutrition. This is sponsored by Central Admixture Pharmacy Services, also known as CAPS. My name is Sharon Durfee, and I am the Clinical Nutrition Support Pharmacist for CAPS. I will be interviewing Dr. Petraea Kober about her experience with perennial nutrition shortages in the neonatal population. Dr. Kober is the Clinical Pharmacy Coordinator in the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit at Akron Children's Hospital in Akron, Ohio. She is a board-certified pharmacist in both nutrition support and pediatric pharmacy practice. In her role, she is responsible for clinical services in the neonatal intensive care unit and oversees the hospital's perennial nutrition ordering process. Welcome, Dr. Kober, and thank you for participating in this podcast with me. Perennial nutrition drug product shortages continue to be the norm for us. Currently, perennial nutrition components such as our 50% dextrose, concentrated sodium chloride, potassium acetate, sodium phosphate, and multivitamins are on the ASHP drug shortage list. These shortages have led some practitioners to ration various components. What has been your experience? Yes, my experience has been that oftentimes we have to set up guidelines in which we would use different products, particularly in the neonatal units. Since most of these patients have very low stores, Of a lot of these resources, uh, we kind of have to reserve those products for those most vulnerable in our population. Great. And are there any references or particular guidelines to assist clinicians in making these decisions when these products are in short supply? Yes. Aspen actually has recommendations for all the products if they go on shortage and what to do. It also gives scenarios of what happens if a particular product is on shortage or if multiple products are on shortage. And then if it gets to the point where you may have to give to some patients and reserve those products for other patients, then it gives recommendations very clearly who would be high risk for deficiencies and who would get those products. And then if no product was available, how to monitor for deficiencies and overcome those if possible. Great. So do you utilize the ASHP drug shortage list at all or the FDA drug shortage list? So yes, we utilize both of them. And ASHP really has a good plan down in place of how to deal with drug shortages in relationship to that. Unfortunately, it's not just nutritional products. So as pharmacists, we've had to deal with a lot of different shortages. So we always consult ASHP and look at their recommendations of what to do as well in a drug shortage. I find it kind of helpful that we can kind of use their plan and formats and really recommend it for other people. So what they really recommend is one, to stay informed. Their second one is really to assess the situation, which I like to add, do not panic in that uh, scenario because you, if you panic, you won't be able to assess things appropriately. You need to then come up with a plan and everybody needs to be involved in that plan is what the fourth point is. So you need to make sure that all the stakeholders are aware of what is happening. I like to add a fifth part to that process, particularly for nutrition, because I think a lot of people have been trained under shortages and you always have to remember to return back to usual practice once resources are available. And so you do need to train your pharmacists, your trainees, so your residents, your students in different areas to know what to do and what is considered appropriate 
when the shortage is over. Right. You actually led into my next question, which was going to be, do you have any advice or best practices for pharmacists and staff to consider when addressing PN shortages? So because of that, and you've shared that information, can you share some examples of maybe some specific situations that have occurred with PN drug shortages? Oh, yes. There's been several. Um, If I had to think about some of the big ones, Trace elements has definitely been a big issue. Historically, we always used one combination product, but really with recommendations and things, we wanted to kind of move towards the more individual trace elements. And really, it's enabled us to kind of do this. And since we outsource, we are able to utilize a net purchasing for the entire group in which we are in to try to make sure that everything is able to be provided for our most at-risk patients that we have. So the biggest one being zinc is for our neonates. And so making sure that they have enough zinc available to them is always of a critical nature. I would say next would have been like calcium salt. Uh, When we didn't have really many options for calcium salts, that was a big problem because most people are used to calcium gluconate. And calcium gluconate has very specific calcium phosphate solubility curves. And if you use calcium chloride just interchangeably, it's not the same. So making sure that you know what you're using in a shortage situation is extremely important. And probably the last process that was the most impactful from like an electrolyte standpoint was the phosphate salts. So there was a pretty extended period of time in which we couldn't get sodium phosphate. And again, the compounder was able to make potassium phosphate at one of their facilities, use that for more of the patients who could use a potassium-containing salt and really reserve the sodium phosphate salts for those who had either renal insufficiency or for my neonatal patients who tend to not have the best kidneys as all the other patients uh, when they're first born. So by using that collective group and using the Aspen guidelines, you're really able to allocate resources where they need to go. That's great. So you've mentioned that you do use an outsourcing pharmacy and you've given me some examples of specific circumstances. Could you elaborate a little more maybe on some of the other benefits that there have been for you for outsourcing, particularly during a PN drug shortage? So definitely our outsourcer is really good in the sense that they are very proactive. They call us, they let us know, they give us, you know, as much time as they possibly can to let us know that something may be impacted. The nice thing about it is that they use the Aspen guidelines themselves. And so since I'm a freestanding children's hospital, if I was compounding parental nutrition on my own, I would be allotted some allocation. But if you think about it, if say I'm allotted a 50% allocation, but 90% of my patients on parental nutrition are neonates, and the guidelines say reserve everything for neonates, then who do I cut off? But if I'm in a group buying power for the outsourcer, the outsourcer can then say, okay, these are the Aspen guidelines, and I'm going to make sure that all the children that we are making parental nutrition solutions for have what they need first, because that's the recommendations by Aspen, and then we will move on to the adult patients. And so it really does help in a shortage time to have that group collective. It also helps when you're trying to get buy-in from physicians with some of these recommendations for shortages. When you can say that X number of hospitals in your area are also following these same guidelines, it can kind of pull anybody who's a little bit concerned into the fold into trying to think how these resources are going to be allocated. 
That's great. So kind of, you know, giving a summary for what we've been through, it's like the clinicians entering the field within the last 10 years may have never cared for a patient on PN therapy without a shortage. I mean, can you remember if there was ever a time when there wasn't a product shortage? I have to go back quite a ways to remember times (laughs) when there weren't shortages. It's almost back into my training days uh, when everything was kind of plentiful. So I really do get concerned about trainees in any discipline, knowing exactly what is recommended to give to these different patients because you can't just stay in the mindset of, you know, this is a shortage and this is what I'm going to do all the time. Once the shortage resolves, you have to go back to it. And we've even heard about concerns that maybe facilities or institutions are like, oh, you'll be fine. You've been dealing with this shortage and you've been using less product. It'll be okay. That's not okay. We need to go back to really what is tried and true and proven to be beneficial for our patients. Right. I agree with you. So there's always a cost impact with drug shortages and especially on staff. So how much time Mm -hmm. is spent addressing PN drug shortages? And if you could kind of go over what different positions within your facility are involved with that process. So definitely having the outsourcer takes out a huge issue for us. So you don't have to have a purchaser that's trying to like find product all the time. Um, That's kind of shifted to the outsourcer. But really, I would say when I first started and had drug shortages, it was just maintaining forms. You had to maintain your pearl nutrition form, get them out to all the units and make sure everyone was using the correct form, the correct version that was available at that time. Now it's switched more to technology-based with Uh, prescriber order entry, we have to think about how the system works. And so now it's really important for me to have enough time to talk to our tech people and be able to change the form so that we can do it at one particular time and do an adjustment. And they know me pretty well. And I'll I'll tell them the truth. I'll be like, okay, this one's like a two-weeker. I have some options in mind. Or this one has to be done tomorrow because there's some big problem. The other thing that we have found out through this process, which makes it a little bit easier, is there are ways to not necessarily put records together in which it has to be a certain way, but you can actually hide things and bring them out in times of shortage. And so we've actually done that a little bit more. So it's a little bit easier to flip the switch. And so we can do it in a much shorter process if I have to, because I as a pharmacist can go in the back end and pull things out of the system that are kind of like hidden on my side. So if there's an immediate need that has to happen like overnight because say something's recalled by the FDA, we can do that much quicker now Um, and then put a fix in place that won't have to be corrected on the back end periodically. So technology has definitely changed this process a bit and made it a bit easier to deal with shortages. So along those same lines, how important is communication across the various disciplines within your facility? Communication is key. You have to be able to communicate between different people because given each of the different units, you may have different people writing the parental nutrition formulations. And so all parties need to be aware of what's going on. Additionally, when you think about internal nutrition, this could also be impacted because you may have some people who are transitioning between parental and internal. 
And if that's the case, you might be able to use some enteral options. So I frequently talk to like my dietitians about those situations and we come up with solutions of some people who might be able to use an enteral option because they're able to maintain some enteral nutrition in that plan. But yes, everyone needs to be on the same page because the next thing you know, if one person's out of the loop, everything falls out of place. Right. And I agree with you because I think not only does the pharmacy and the pharmacy tech need to be involved, but we need to have purchasing, possibly your P&T committee. And I think an important one that you brought out is your IT person. They can be key in Mm -hmm. helping you with your templates. Most definitely. Can you think of any other issues that might be important for our audience to share about your experience with these PN drug shortages? The only other thing I would mention is is sometimes this is a really great opportunity to collaborate with other institutions. Before, you know, we didn't have as many systems in place. Um, It was very common for you to call one pharmacy and ask, you know, can I borrow some? Can I do different things? I think now with different networking opportunities and things, keeping everyone in the loop about what others are doing is really critical. You can actually think outside your institution and outside your institution, you may have another institution that you're familiar with who's come up with a similar solution that might actually work a little bit better. So definitely keeping in those networking options and in those environments is really important to see how to manage things across even a greater network than you're currently in. Right. We all have to think outside the box. Every day it's Mm -hmm. a new adventure with a new drug shortage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Kober, for joining us today. We also want to thank Central Admixture Pharmacy Services for sponsoring this episode. And as always, thank you, our audience, for listening to this Aspen podcast. That's all for this episode. To support what we do, please share, subscribe, and leave a review over SoundCloud. Have a great day.